You are now tuned to the Priority One Subspace Frequency, brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, the galaxy's premier shore leave destination. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 118 of Priority One, recorded live on Thursday, March 6, 2013, via trackradio.net and published every Monday morning for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm James. And I'm Tony. And Elijah is currently on Vulcan, undergoing his annual Colnar checkup. Tony, what do we got this week? Well, this week we trek out Not Quite Evil Spock and the Star Trek Sequester News. We'll review all of the happenings this week in STO News, covering interviews, dev blogs, and release notes. Also, we have a Foundry author interview with STO player and first-time mission publisher at Ashtaku. As always, towards the end of the show, we'll open hailing frequencies and review your incoming messages. Awesome. Captains, be sure to catch us live on Trek Radio every Thursday night at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. You can chat with us live, or you can visit trekradio.net and jump in there on their IRC uh, chat client, which can be found under the community link. So that way you can talk with us, ask us questions, or just give us your opinion on a particular topic that we might be chatting about at the time, and we'll uh, try and fit that in and bring up your points as well. It could take our conversation a whole new way. So we appreciate you guys coming in and hanging out with us because it really opens up the show. Yeah, and sometimes you give Elijah some help, like with his Trechnobabble last week. That was good radio right there. Well done, <laughs> chat room. Well, you listen to the show, and you know you love us. So join us! If you've got a knack for audio editing, send us a sample of any audio productions you've done to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. That's incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Remember, we are a labor of love, so we can't pay you. But we do need an audio editor to help us out. You can do it. We believe in the power of you and us. You can also be part of the team by submitting your freelance writings to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. All submissions we receive for the show will be entered to this month's random drawing for 1,000 Zen. That's right, 1,000 Zen. This includes comments on our website and emailed segment topics. So you got a pretty good chance to get your stuff in. All right. Well, before we move on with the show, let's recap what's going on over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, in his latest Spirit of Trek article, Ceridian brings us up to date on the latest strategies for dealing with near-Earth asteroids. Boy, that's been a topic lately, huh? Russia knows. You know what I'm talking about, Russia. Huh? You know what I'm talking about, Russia. Oh, broken windows. Want to find out how we're going to save ourselves from death from the skies until we invent tractor beams and Verderon arrays? Find out on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Be sure to catch the latest edition of Trek It Out. In episode 13, Elijah and I are joined by Leah, our newest member of the Priority One team, and we discuss the best of Trek news from the month of February. 
Also, Elijah sits down with Manu Interemi, who played Icheb on Voyager. Manu shares some behind-the-scenes stories from the set of the show and some spoilers for the upcoming fan production Star Trek Renegades, also starring Walter Koenig and Tim Russ. Don't miss it. Yes, Elijah was telling me some of those spoilers they got coming up. Apparently, they're taking Icheb's character to some pretty dark places, which sounds exciting. I'm really excited about that, so looking forward to hearing more about that. Also, you'll notice one of our banners is about a survey we're currently conducting. We want to know more about you. Yes, you, our listeners, those who are listening right now, all you boys and girls with happy, smiling faces. Help us develop more content that you know you'll enjoy, basically. So what we're looking to do is the survey takes a few minutes, but I assure you the information we receive is invaluable. Please take a moment and just do this little survey. It can help us improve a lot. Um, We're growing so fast right now that we really don't know what direction to point it in sometimes. So having your guys' input will help us just dramatically so that we can kind of tailor these things more to you, our audience, and our devoted fans who have been with us a long time. So we really want to give you guys the best product we possibly can. So for unlimited access to all this great content, visit www.priorityonepodcast.com. And for now, let's get ready to trek it out, shall we? I don't know. Then let's trek it out. And welcome to Trek It Out. This is our segment formerly known as Blank of the Week. We have now called it Trek It Out. Just in case those of you who don't know or understand where Trek It Out is going, we also have a secondary show, which is a once-a-month show called Trek It Out, where we hit all kinds of basically outlying science fiction topics. We try to keep them Trek-centric, but not always. Sometimes it's just something on the geek fringe that's so cool we have to talk about it. But in the meantime... This Trek It Out, I'm bringing you a video from YouTube, which is awesome. It's on the ING website, and as we all know, when you have important news, it's not the content that matters. It's all in the delivery. So if you're a Sony and you wanted to announce your newest PlayStation, can you think of a better way to send that message to the world than three-quarter of an inch of hair on Leonard Nimoy's upper lip circa 1980? No. I can't. Awesome. No, no. That's how I do it. Talking sure. rock much? Yes. Okay, so somebody dug up about three minutes of footage of Mr. Leonard Neboy. That's right, Spock himself, schlepping Laserdisc players back in the day. But he and his co-star, a glowing, squeaking lump of rock, <laughs> have had their original lines overdubbed with a pitch for the upcoming PlayStation 4. Go to Retro Futuristic Commercial on YouTube. The link will be in our show notes. You could also just go to YouTube.com, I'm sure, and put PlayStation 4 Leonard Nimoy or something, and uh, it'll pop up. And I just watched it earlier. It's pretty awesome sauce. It's it's funny. Now, those of you who have been following the show might know that that another star franchise whose name Sometimes sometimes makes its way into the segment from from, from time to time, time to time. You may have noticed that other people sort of mix them together too sometimes. People like, oh, the President of the United States. Uh, You might have noticed that the media made of a bit of a kerfuffle when uh, El Presidente mixed his metaphors a bit during a press conference when he denied he had the ability to do a Jedi mind meld. What wasn't really covered as much, it wasn't widely reported, was how the White House responded to this glaring error that potentially destroyed any nerd cred the president might have had. But if you go to your web browser and you type in www.whitehouse.gov slash Jedi mind meld, it redirects you to the administration's sequester information page. Also, some brilliant intern tweeted a lolcat-esque photo of the president from the official White House Twitter feed. I'm not going to spoil the surprise. It's 
funny, and you gotta check this out. It combines the two sci-fi franchises into a seamless political argument. You know, it's right up there with nothing to fear but fear itself, and walk softly and carry a big stick. It might not be that good, but it's definitely worth clicking. So we've got a link in the show notes in June. So discover something that you think the rest of us would like hearing, a little story or a bit of information. Send them on over to incoming at priority1podcast.com, and you'll be submitted into our random drawing for 1,000 zen. I know it's not a festa, but it's 1,000 zen towards one. Well, let's check out what happened in Stone News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. And welcome to Stone News. Lots of dev interviews this week. Executive producer Dan Stahl was interviewed by Stoic. Producer Zeronis Rex went on Primetime UGC to talk about the foundry, and we saved the biggest for last. Lead designer Al Rivera, good guy, super guy, awesome guy, sat down with Podcast UGC also for a four-hour interview. They just don't make butt cheeks like that anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's tough. So comfy, comfy chair. I'm starting to start calling him Al Iron Ass Rivera. <laughs> so that's how it's going to be, huh? Well, have. <laughs> we release two hours. You do four. Okay. It's on. Fine. I see how it is. Al, if you're listening, we need you for six hours next time. Yeah, that's right. Six hours. Wear your big boy pads. That's right. That's right. Uh, we've got links. To, <laughs> we've got links to all those interviews in our show notes. One thing interesting out of that interview was a revamp of the five-star rating system. So yeah, zero. Let that kind of put that out. They're experimenting with changing the five-star rating system, and that's good for Foundry stuff. So right now, if you get, I think that's very good. Yeah. So they're got a special secret formula like Colonel Sanders recipe to sort of sort out uh, combine the number of stars with the number of ratings that you've gotten so that missions that may have a 4.1 rating but have been played a lot of times float to the top because a lot of people like it. Missions that are maybe brand exactly. new, they have, they're, they've got five five-star ratings, that's perfect five, but it's only that author and his five buddies have played it. So yeah. Now they're going to count the quantity, not just the quality ratings. Yeah, and it's going to be a mix is what so I'm looking forward to seeing that. She didn't say when it would come in. It's still kind of in testing internally, but that'll be good to, to have that come out there so that you know, the classics that maybe aren't spotlighted yet but are good will float higher to the top. Awesome. And there are some really good ones out there. I'm very happy to hear about that. All right. Next up, a guest blog by STO player Cerebus Films announced a Foundry Authors Academy program starting March 23rd. They've got a whole curriculum planned that should appeal to both new authors and those who have gotten a mission or two under their belts. Go check out his post on the STO website. As always, we've got a link for you. And it looks like a great program. I think that they've sort of put some thought into this, and they've kind of thought, well, if I were brand new to this tool, what would I need to do to start out of the create content screen and push it all the way forward to publishing? And I think they're going to help some people get through that process. The first one's always the toughest, big learning curve. But once you get that first one published and out there, it, it gets easier. Yeah, Oliver over at Cerberus Films is awesome. He'll always leave you saying, Can I have some more, please, mister? <laughs> We've got another update to the teaser page for our March Under the Raptor's Wings. Now, our shadow will dim the stars. And apparently this dimming will happen on March 21st, coincidentally, that's a Thursday. Coincidentally, that's the day we record this show. So, Al, if you've got six hours, that's right, I said six, Iron Ass, six hours that day, you know, feel free to give us a ring. Unless, of course, it's going to be a countdown to another countdown, which that would be annoying. Yeah, we Let's can not skip do it that. then. We, we can, can skip, skip it, maybe. Yeah. yeah. 
that are, you know, we could sum it up in six minutes instead of six hours, but, you know, you might lose your nickname. There was no patch this week, but they have updated the Plasma Flamethrower on Tribble, so we can expect those changes to hit Holodeck next week. Also, Stowe's mobile application, the Gateway, got some attention this week with the addition of some limited Starbase project controls. So, if you have Fleet Starbase and a couple hundred industrial replicators laying around, you know, log in the Gateway and start donating. All right, that's all for Stowe News this week. So let's get into our Foundry author interview with Ashtaku. Program initiated. Enter when ready. All right, Captains, thank you for joining us. I'm here with at Ashtaku. We're going to be playing his new Foundry mission, The Tangled Webs We Weave. Welcome to Priority One. Thank you very much. All right. Well, let's get started here. Uh, Your mission, once you search in the... Foundry system under your author handle, A-S-H-T-A-K-U, or under the title, The Tangled Webs We Weave, and once you pick it up for the mission, where do we go? Well, we're going to fly down to the uh, Raytan system, which is down in uh, Sirius Sector Block. It's uh, that's about a little bit northwest of Starbase 24. All right, and we're here now, and we see the Begin Tangled Webs We Weave dialog box. Let's jump in. Okay, Excellent. All right, set us up here. Why are we jumping into the Raytan system? Nothing's going on here. It's the Sirius Sector block. It's all calm. Why are we worried about this area here? Well, as if Starbase 24 didn't have enough problems with the Klingons attacking it every half an hour, now the Tholians have broken out of Tau Dewa. They've slashed across the Regulus Sector block, and they are laying siege to Starbase 24. The third fleet out of Seoul isn't going to be able to get there in time to relieve the Starbase, so a smaller task force is assembling at Raytan, bringing in every ship that's in range, and they're going to go and kick the Tholians out of Starbase 24's uh, star system. And that's where our story begins, as your captain arrives at the rendezvous point. All right. So we're here to rendezvous with the USS Yamato. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I noticed when playing through it the last time is that you give little guideposts, little waypoints almost. Hey, explain how you did that. Well, most of these are pretty straightforward. These are basically behind the scenes in the storyboard, there's actually a series of objectives that are tied to target areas on the map. That's going to do two things. Is first, it's going to actually cause your map to point you in the right direction. And if you're far enough away, you'll even get like a little Starfleet chevron on the edge of your mini-map showing which way to fly. The second thing is when you reach them, that's a hook to bring a pop-up dialogue. So when you talk to your science officer initially on coming in, and then later when you talk to the space traffic control officer who tells you to adjust course to rendezvous with the Yamato, those are all triggered through the storyboard. And the difference between the talk guidance and the waypoint or the reach marker, I notice is that there's a much larger footprint on the reach marker, one you can set, whereas the talk to, you're kind of stuck with the five-kilometer, six-kilometer radius. Exactly. It just doesn't show up on the mini-map very well. Absolutely. And so that's, that's a nice strategy. You know, give somebody a big, fat target to fly for and then guide them in a little at a time. Well, I'm glad it worked for you. you know, I thought it was great. It's one thing I really noticed, and I may steal that text, quite frankly. That's a good one. All right, so we're going to talk to the USS Yamato, and we're going to beam over. All right, so we're on the bridge of the Yamato. It's the Odyssey Bridge, one of my personal favorites. Now, one thing I did notice when I walked in here the first time was that there are a lot of contacts on this bridge. Tell us about that. Well, these are a mix of, actually, the bridge officers of the character who this ship belongs to in-game, and also some generic characters that I created to basically to fill seats. My thought process here was that if you're as a player beaming onto a Starfleet ship and there is maybe, if you're lucky, somebody in the captain's seat and maybe one guy at a standing console, 
that potentially is an immersion breaker because whenever we see the ships in the television programs, films, they're always fully staffed. If anything, they're busy with people running around and doing things, and I just felt that it was out of place to have an empty bridge. So I threw in characters at each duty station and gave them default prompt dialogue that, while it's not part of the main story, you can interact with those characters and, and have shorter or longer discussions depending on their scripts. Oh, very nice. Uh, is there anybody in here particular that you think we should talk to? Well, Ensign Gratar has entertained a lot of my fleet mates. You might find him interesting to speak with. But I made an effort to sort of give all the characters something to make them, maybe if not memorable, at least fun to talk to. Let's pick somebody. You say Gratar? Yep, he's the tactical officer uh, just to the right of the main view screen. All right, he's a Tellarite. We know about <laughs> those guys. Indeed. And, oh, I see you've identified the proper responses for Tellarites in brackets. One thing you'll find is that all of these characters give instructions of sort of varying levels of helpfulness. So if you found that Greatar didn't give you the information you needed, you can speak to one of the other officers, whether it be the first officer or rear commander Kutra or any of the junior officers. Ultimately, they will give you instructions about how to reach the briefing area. Did you do that on purpose so that people would have to interact and walk around the bridge, or tell, tell us what you think about that? Well, my thought process is that, say I gave no markers at all in this, there was no interactable characters, and the Admiral was downstairs in the briefing room, players would eventually find the Admiral. It's, it's not a really unintuitive place to put him in the sense that there's a flow from the transporter room around the edge down to that room. But I also think that if players see an interact icon, they're going to click on that, and that's going to give them sort of organic directions of how to continue the mission. And I thought that was sort of a more uh, role-playing friendly approach than just saying, go downstairs and talk to the Admiral. So you kind of made a conscious choice to force them to be immersed in this, because you walk onto the bridge and there's interact icons everywhere. You don't know who was going to be helpful. Right. And I, th I think that's important for this type of mission, because we're telling a story and we want to vest the character to some extent in the story. All right. Well, the helpful person in the center seat told us to go downstairs, and so we went downstairs. And there's a crowd of people standing around, and a guy who's, let's face it, he's tweaking on that. <laughs> uh, he's here, but he appears to be in charge, so I guess we're going to have to talk to the liberated Borg who's uh, tweaking. And so he gives us the story. He tells us about the Tholians in Starbase 24. As we're clicking through and reading through the, uh, the Admiral Borg's dialogue here, I see some out-of-character notes in the gold text. Tell me about that. Well, the main out-of-character note is is a warning about performance issues, and that's something that came out during playtesting, where some of the players with lower-end machines, when we were doing the stress test with a five-man team, ran into some difficulty with the map, and it basically came down to the number of NPCs on the next map combined with the fact that the Starbase 24 prefab map is actually kind of a busy map and has a lot of static objects throughout it. You know, I tried to make it not be completely obtrusive by sort of tying in a story explanation for why this problem was going to occur, but also putting that yellow text there to tell the player, if you have a lower-end computer, consider dialing back your settings a little bit for the big battle scene, because I think it's a disservice to players to drop them into a mission where they're going to have control difficulties without, at a minimum, warning them of the potential problem. All right, and the next out-of-character text note we have is that you're asking how many people are on the team. Absolutely. What, Why is that? Well, there's two reasons. This question came up because in the Foundry, for better or worse, we don't actually control the number of enemies that are spawned in the mission. We can, however, thanks to people who have sat down and tested it and documented it, we can predict how many will appear based on the composition of, a, of someone's group. 
So what I've done here is, based on the number of enemies that will appear, I've actually created three different branches to the briefing based on the size of your group. So if you're solo playing the mission, your briefing will actually relatively accurately describe what you're going to face. If you're in a larger group, the briefing changes to reflect the different threats you're going to face as the game scales up the challenges for you. Very nice. And again, this is an attempt to keep you immersed, right. which, which I did appreciate a lot when I played it. All right, so let's finish the briefing and go blow some things up. Okay, excellent. All right, so we're in the soup. A number of bad guys out here. And they don't seem to be wanting to kill me right now until I fly up. You have got a number of uh, NPCs helping us out here. What's the strategy there? Well, part of it is with the story, where the concept is that there's a fleet action occurring. Part of it is a little bit of shameless promotion for my fleet mates. Uh, all, all of the ships <laughs> here are actually the ships of actual members of Tactical Group 90. And part of it was that I felt that this was a good way to increase the uh, intensity of the battle without greatly increasing the time burden on the player. One of my pet peeves is, is missions where I spend 20 or, or even 30 minutes sometimes on a map just fighting one group after another. It usually starts out being exciting, but by the end it becomes repetitive. And it's just unavoidable because we lack control over the composition of the enemy groups. So I felt that one way to resolve that was by adding friendly NPCs, create a situation where the player is participating, and perhaps decisively contributing to the mission, but is not just basically grinding. So you said perhaps contributing decisively. It's not a given thing that you need to be participating here? Absolutely. One of the advantages of the Tholians is that when the devs put them in, in what I think was actually a very wise move, they didn't put a minimum level to fight the Tholians. They didn't make it this like a level 50 only mission by automatically putting them in. And as a result, you can come in as a lieutenant. As soon as you unlock the foundry, you can take this mission. And you may have noticed in the briefing, they actually asked you what your rank was. And that's because if you play a lieutenant, there's an alternate briefing for lieutenants and lieutenant commanders that tells you to not try to take out the big capital ships and to focus on the smaller targets and on supporting the battleships and dealing the decisive blow. All right, so let's go find our next waypoint. We're looking for a damaged what? It's a damaged Tholian recluse. Now, the first time I played through here, I charged out here on full impulse power. Mm. I ran right by this thing. Yeah, unfortunately, there's a little bit of a time delay between the pop-up dialogue happening and your ship actually coming to a full start. So that's something that I'm looking at ways to resolve in a sort of future director's cut. Oh, dear. We seem to have blown up the Tholine by <laughs> getting two books. All right, I'm going to scan the energy signature. Now, tell me if you're taking advantage of the new mechanic here. Tell me about the Rannoch. It's blue. I can't shoot it no more. Yeah, the, the Rannoch is actually a space contact that has a Cardassian skin on it. This is actually kind of a fake-out, because I'd like to say that I've found some innovative new feature where we can change the allegiance of someone in-game, but actually what it does, the Rannoch actually comes in as blue from the beginning, but we distract you with other mobs to create the illusion of it being part of the hostile force. Oh, okay. Turns out, uh, let's not give too many spoilers away. But this Cardassian ship is not what it appears to be. Indeed. All right, let's beam aboard and find out what's going on. So we beamed aboard the Cardassian ship, and we're in a little isolated room here. There's some things on fire and some things smoking, and we need to access the ship's computer, which is behind the smoke. Now tell me about this computer here. Well, basically this is sort of serves two purposes. One is to sort of give you some exposition as to what's going on and, and what to expect in the map ahead. 
And the other purpose is actually as a hook for a career-specific option to let engineers get some additional information if they're playing through it. And hopefully in the future we'll be able to program it so we can actually make it so that that option will only actually populate if you're an engineer. We don't have that level of surveillance on the player yet, so we, they're on the honor system for now. So we're going to identify this alternate route. So tell us about this alternate route. One of the things that I've wanted to do for a long time is to do a sequence where the captain has to navigate through a wrecked ship. I played a really fantastic mission a few months ago that basically you go back to the planet from Colosseum and you have to explore that wrecked ship in more detail. And there was some fantastic sort of parkour work they did there. And I've been looking to replicate that for a long time, but the thing at the back of my head was I've always felt that there is going to be a certain percentage of players who just don't like platforming. So I wanted to do it in a way where you have a choice. And that's what we've done here is once we go through this door, we're going to be at a T-shaped intersection, and you can go left, and that leads you to a platforming segment, or you can go right, which leads you to a more traditional combat segment. Either way will get you to the end of the map, and it's basically up to the player to choose how they want to proceed through this map. All right. Well, we consulted with our engineer, and she told us we how to do it, so we might as well give it a shot. All right, excellent. Well, this is something else that I kind of wanted to bring up. I talked to with you just a little bit before we started the interview about it. Tell us about the equipment requirement. Well, one of the ways the Foundry differs from normal missions is that we don't have the opportunity to set uh, map damage states. For example, when you beam to Nukara, and as we've probably all seen with sort of that hilarious bug where your character bursts into flames when you beam into the safe zone, for about a second, yeah. yeah. Nukara has a global damage state on it where if you are in certain parts of the map without an EV suit, you take continuous damage over time. That hasn't been vested in us yet by the devs, and for understandable reasons relating to griefing. But as a result, we have to kind of tiptoe around it when you have a hazard situation like this. I would love to say you have to wear an EV suit, but... The best I can say is, if you want to roleplay it right, you should wear an EV suit. I mitigated this slightly back behind the scenes, basically by creating a situation where to get one of the specific endings, you do have to have worn an EV suit through this section. But once again, you're on the honor system, and you can always lie to the admiral at the end and say, oh yeah, I totally wore an EV suit. (laughs) All right, we're on the bridge, and there's a Cardassian who's not happy to see us. All right. I'm going to answer the question appropriately, so we're going to beam over some damage control parties. All right, well, we're going to take the turbo lift down to engineering. This is the lead-up to sort of the optional moral choice, and that in this last segment, you do have an opportunity to make the sort of ruthless decision for the good of the Federation. Okay, so here we are. We have our choice here. We have a choice between doing the honorable thing as officers and gentlemen or gentle women. Or we can keep the Federation uh, safe for sure. How did you get that into the game itself? Well, because the dialogue trigger doesn't automatically indicate that your character actually is seriously considering this, I didn't want to force you to make that decision. So what happens is when you complete the final discussion with the captain of this ship, new trigger spawns on the map that's not actually tied into the storyboard. So there's an extra interact that becomes available if you go over to the engine. And as you mentioned earlier when we were talking before, there's no way to actually do a token where it gives you your black mark for being bad. So down the road, as we're going to see, basically the game is going to ask you in out-of-character text how you resolved the dilemma. And your choice is going to influence the final comments you get from the Admiral in the after-action report. Well, I'm a goody-two-shoes. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. 
I chose the goody two shoes approach, and immediately I'm hailed by my ship. Let's let's help you avoid temptation, sir. We'll just be <laughs> out now. So I'm gonna energize, and here we are. This is where we have to, uh, you know, be honest with ourselves. No consequences here. Just different dialogues that you would get for choosing different things. I'm gonna put in my appropriate choices. There's a couple of different phases. So first, you're gonna get feedback about how you went about completing the mission and the Admiral is going to tell you what he thinks of the choices you made in at least one possible combination, can give you some constructive feedback about your reckless behavior, and then after that it's going to ask you some follow-up questions about what you did prior to the briefing, which will lead to a second bit of feedback text. And this was done basically to avoid exploding the dialogue tree completely out of control, and so instead it has sort of it balloons out as we go through these choices, and then it pinches back down into that second question that allows it to balloon out again. All right. All right, well, we've completed the mission. Well, let's wrap up here a little bit. Let's talk about tokens. All right. Because this is something that I would love to see and something that we had a token generator that we could use in the foundry that I think a lot of people make it really happy, and I think you could make fantastic use of such a thing in this mission. Well, in a lot of games, either explicitly or behind the scenes, missions progress based on accumulating tokens, which are going to be an inventory item that is the product of making a certain choice. The advantage of tokens is that you can add a test that unlocks certain dialogue options or even changes the entire track of the story based on the presence or absence of tokens in a character's inventory. It can be simple. It could be something as simple as, for example, if when Greatar sasses you, that gives you a token that says you have an insubordination token and you only get the opportunity to report Greatar if you have that token in your inventory. Or it could be very complex, where you have a completely different spur of the track that you can follow if you take certain choices. There's different ways to code that in, but a token-based system is one of the easier ones to do, and it appears, at least based on kind of the empirical observation, that that's the system that STO contains in the back end for a lot of its content. Well, it'd be nice to have, maybe it's not a true branching objective, but it could be a way to open up side objectives. Right, absolutely. I think the Foundry authors would just crawl all over that. I know I would. Oh, I'm, I'm always in favor of more features being turned on for the Foundry. Absolutely. Well, maybe we'll get something like that after Neverwinter releases. That's true. So. All right. Well, any closing thought? Any shout-outs? Anything else you want to add before we sign off? Well, I'd just like, again, to thank my friends at Tactical Group 90 for donating all the costumes and the ships to this. That was really instrumental in getting the amount of customization that I wanted for this. And just really just have the community for the, the fantastic resources they have. As a first-time author, I couldn't have made a mission like this without the reference material on the different podcast sites and on, on the main STO forum site. There's a learning curve here, and that was critical to scaling it. They say the community is what makes Star Trek groups, and I think that's true for this group, just like any other Star Trek organization. Are there any particular resources that you found the most useful, the most helpful? Far be it for me to promote the competition. Starbase, Starbase <laughs> UB, UGC, there's a fantastic blog post that breaks down the composition of enemy ship groups, and that was absolutely necessary to ensure that the NBC starships behaved consistently and also that as many of the Tactical Group 90 ships as possible showed up in the battle without being cloned. So there are, there are instances, for example, where the Yamato, when you're following it in, depending on the number of players, the Yamato actually occupies a different position in that group because battleship groups have some funny behavior about which battleships get shown depending on how many players you have. So that reference work saved me a prohibitive amount of playtesting and really allowed me to do a, a level of customization that I, I don't think I really would have been able to achieve otherwise. Fantastic. All right. Well, 
This has been a wonderful interview and a great time. Thanks for creating this mission, uh, Mr. Ashtaku, and we appreciate uh, you coming on and showing us around. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. All right, Captains, let's go into this week's feedback. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. And welcome to Feedback. Coming from the Stowe forums this week, it's pretty quiet. However, the Priority One podcast site, we have Sean Newboy who says, Awesome show, you two. Excellent job of going over the top. Tony was practically channeling Kirk. Yes, as Tony said, Elijah needs to work on his southern accent. Wasn't as bad as mine, but in the ballpark. Uh, Yu Chin <laughs> says, Pretty sure Azura buys items at less than 50% of listed price, so better travel light and sell at Starbase vendors. And yes, Yu Chin, you are correct. I checked you. Thanks once again for keeping us in line out here. I just never call the Azura, so because I know it's just a complete and total pain to do that. But you are correct. They sell at less than 50% listed price, so haul your trinkets back to the Starbase to get the best price now that they've corrected the sell tab in the Dilithium store. Oh, they did? They did. They, they fixed that? Dang it. I was getting 100% of everything out of there. It was awesome. Yeah, well, those days are over. Curses! <laughs> That's what I uh, Well, we got one from Majaybird here who says, Great show. I like the changes in the game. Like fleet marks, they're trying to get us to play the right content, but some of us in smaller fleets do not have the time to play everything. Good point. Love the end of the podcast with your accents. <laughs> Why not do the whole show like that? Well, maybe yeah, so we, we will. We we, maybe we, we haven't done skits or anything in a while. Maybe we need to do some no. skits and some, some goofy commercials and stuff. I was thinking about that. You know, you got your Romulan guy, and Elijah's got his Klingon, and Adrian's got her. Adrian's got a yeah. Yeah. So you need a character. So I was thinking. Well, I was thinking. You know, if you, some of those times when we've been signing off, that I've been doing this sort of Kapla, everyone. Uh, you know. Oh no. Pop, the pop the, polo the, shirt. <laughs> Klingon. The, yeah. The uh, so, the uh, super the super Caucasian Klingon. <laughs> yeah, super Caucasian. Klingon. But I was thinking. I was thinking. Well, we've already got a Klingon, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But every ship needs a recreational officer. With, you know, running oh, around in Star Trek no. shorts and a little white hat and a clipboard with a little with a racket in his hand, <laughs> like a exactly. tennis racket in his hand, exactly. and smacking and, against know, the other want... hand. Hey guys, right. want to go to the holodeck? <laughs> and he and he'd want to make everybody comfortable. So if he saw some Klingon crew members or guests, he would certainly come across the line and say, "Hey, couple everyone, welcome to the tennis courts." I'll be your coach today. Oh, no. But we're, aren't we at war now? You know, this is 24 on Well, nowadays, yeah. in the game, I guess. You know, depending on what point in history, yeah. There's a phaser in the handle of my tennis racket I can yank out, you know, if we get boarded. So, hi, everyone. Welcome to the right. ship. I'm going to stun you now. Thanks. There you uh, go. Yeah, I think I think we could do this. I think that I'm feeling that this character is within me. I feel this character. So, we need to do something like that. So maybe we won't do a show with accents. Okay. We'll do a show in character. Oh, and yeah, Elijah's <laughs> calling me the Richard Simmons of Trek. Exa yeah, exactly. The Richard Simmons of Trek. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, now we've completely derailed the show and wasted just a little bit of time. So uh, on to Twitter. Thanks to everyone who retweeted us. And I'm looking at you, Woody Valley and Midnight Shadow 7. Thanks, guys. Our latest follower is at Phil Cunningham, too. Nice to have you aboard, Phil. And thank you, everyone, for your feedback. We love to hear from you at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. So, it's that time. Gosh, wow. It's that time. 
Well, folks, that wraps up episode 118, broadcast live from trekradio.net. Remember that we are on the air every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. We've been getting some amazing feedback, and we always play better to a live audience. You'll have a good time, so come join us. Don't forget, Captains, the Priority One Network is expanding, and we're in need of two audio editors to help with the weekly publication of our podcast. If you feel you're the guy or gal for the job, then send us a sample of your work to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We are looking for your suggestions and ideas for Trek It Out, field notes, and general show improvements and additions. You can submit your ideas and questions with our online form on the Priority One website via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also hit us on Facebook or Twitter. Head over to PriorityOnePodcast.com and check out the latest comic by Alex Calderwood from his new ARC 2. Speaking of the comics, it's on Facebook and so are we. Head over to www.facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and say hi. Check us out on Twitter via at StowPriorityOne for showtimes and other cool stuff like when we make videos that will teach you how to completely dominate the competition on ground combat. So go check out those videos we just put up last week. It's that time again, folks. When we need you to head on over to Priority One Podcast and click that big shiny button. That special button. Big special button. And it says donate. It says donate all over it. It says donate so hard. Donate all over it so hard. We want you to donate all over that site. Or, if you're feeling extra special, you can go to Amazon. Take a look at our affiliate store and check out the sidebar on the website. Support it while you support the show. You can get something special for someone special while donating all over that site. Thank you to everyone who has donated via the button or by shopping through Amazon Affiliate Store. We appreciate your support. We couldn't do this without your big donations all over our site. I think Elijah's going to make us re-record I <laughs> tried so hard not to lose it. <laughs> He's like, I mean, there's like a total silence where everyone's biting the shit out of their tongue. <laughs> He's gonna. He's like, look, I need a drink. He says, I need a huge or, drink. Or Xanax. <laughs> uh, one Romulan ale over here, please. No, make that two. Two Romulan ales right over here. <laughs> and an IV needle. He, this guy's got to mainline it. He can't <laughs> stop hanging around to drink it. Got his bloodstream now. Uh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, here's us getting serious again. Okay. Also, check out our extensions for the Firefox and Chrome browsers. You can attach those to your browser, and anytime you shop on Amazon, it'll attach our affiliate code to it automatically. No additional cost to you. No work. No hassle. We don't collect any of your personal information. It just helps us help you by bringing you the quality programming you expect every week. We would like to thank the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our executive producer, Elliot Tan, our production assistant and art director, Alex Calderwood, our audio engineer, Lennon Rich, and the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our special guest, Foundry author, Ashtaku. Special thanks to our sponsors, Sayulita.com, our syndication partners, Subspace Radio, Trek Radio, and the Trek Radio Live crew. And of course, the STO community. Without you, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage.
Transfer complete. <laughs> okay, we're clear. We got that. <laughs> awesome. Did you ever hear that song, I Want to Be a Gynecologist? <laughs> the theme of it is, rubber gloves and a flashlight you see sound like a pretty good job to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's TSA's theme song right there. Want to find out where we're going to save ourselves from death, from skies, until we... I don't like the way I read that. <clears throat> find out in... Find out... Eh. Find... That's backwards. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> I was like, why is that so hard to read? Because it's not proper English, that's why. Also, Elijah sits down with Manu Inter... Oh, crap. Interimi. <laughs> okay, I got to do that over again. Also, Interimi? Elijah sits down... Stop it! I had it just a second ago. Interimi. <laughs> Somebody dug up about three minutes of footage from Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock himself, schlepping laser dicks... La laser dicks... Oopsie! We're not in the family time yet, James. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, you clever news people just caught right up on that right away. You don't do Jedi. Luke. Dad? Dad, is that you? Luke, my bonfire is starting. Get your sister. <laughs> oh, is that oh. one of those mix up? <laughs> oh, that was wrong. Hey, he kissed David, his sister, David, all right? David, if we... If you, hey, in a galaxy far, here, far away, in a galaxy far, far away, it's all cool, just like Alabama. All right? So, no. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Alabama. I'm just words. kidding. I'm just yeah, kidding. Right. Yeah, Elijah pissed off all the people in the South by the horrible Southern accent last week, and now you're making Alabama jokes. I mean, seriously. We're not going to get anybody... Uh, well, you know, I already did North Carolina and pissed them off, so I figured I'll just hit each state one at a time. want to get a map. <laughs> We'll get a map and start making X's on them once, once somebody... I've got them. one here. I put tax in it. Boom. Alabama. <laughs> Done. Boom. Done. Tax. Next week, tune in for Mississippi. Foundry author interview with Ashtaku. God bless you. That means I need to figure out somebody else to insult in another part of the country. Oh, well, yeah. Or, 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 or we could just piss off Canada because nobody cares about Canada. <laughs> there, oh, hey. there, I did it. I just did it. Hey. Inadvertently, you... I did it. What are you talking about, you hoser? Don't forget, Captains, the Priority One Network is expanding, and we are in need of two audio editors to help with the we weekly... Don't forget, Captains... We're in need of audio one. editors to fix like that. <laughs> That's right, because even when we're paying attention and doing what we're supposed to do, we still screw it up. There's one for the bloopers. Beep! Beep! David, we're, in the family. we're not in the family hour anymore, right? I I know nothing. I see nothing. I, <laughs> I know I know nothing. I know nothing. That's what Cryptic had to do back when they were stolen by Atari. Oh, for they sure, were for they sure. Were Chris, they were Chris Rock. Well, they said they said we'll make the Federation and the Klingons. Well, how many Klingons? How much for one Klingon? <laughs> how much for one faction? <laughs> Good lord, that's a lot of money. How about we give you half a faction? <laughs> Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, we uh -oh. hear you. Uh -oh. oh, we're in trouble. All right. Principal's here. Yes, yeah. Are you? Are we still live? Are we still? <laughs> yes. We sure are, Big Daddy. Uh, unfortunately, what? All right. Excuse me. I'm. I'm about three. I'm about. I'm about three Jaeger bombs in. After having listened to this. Uh, this podcast. Oh God.